Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. And I pray that you have enjoyed it as much as we have, as much as we've enjoyed teaching this for you. And, and I try to teach it to you, but sometimes I've had to preach it to you. You know what I'm talking about? Difference between teaching and preaching is the volume. So sometimes the volume goes up when we get in that preach mode. I can't help it. I'm a preacher. Pastor Pete's more of a teacher. I'm more of a preacher. I've got the preach in me. I can't help it. But it's life changing, I really believe, when we realize and see all the truth that God's word has for us. And that's why we do a book study. We always study from the book each and every week. But when we do a book study, it draws you in and it shows you, I believe, in a greater way, the truths that God's word, word has for your life, the correction it brings, the direction it brings, and also the strength and encouragement for the journey. Because God says, I won't leave you alone. I'll help you through that. And we realize that. So Galatians is a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to actually a group of churches in the Galatia area. Okay, it was churches that he had started, he had founded, that's what he was. He wasn't a pastor, he was a church builder, a church planter. And around 55 to 56 AD, this took place. And his reason was to correct wrong doctrine. He had come and taught them the, the gospel of Christ and the freedom that the cross had brought. But Judaizers had come in from Jerusalem and said, you know what, you need more than just the cross. You need the law. You need to go back. And the particular law that they were trying to bring back was the law of circumcision. Again, not the greatest church growth method. But they were trying to come in and bring back legalism. And and Paul says, no, we're going to turn you back to relationship. It's not in the law, but it's in relationship. And that's where our theme scripture comes from. I'm going to use a different translation today. Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, so Christ has truly set us free. You've got to realize that Christ wants to truly, he has truly set you free. Now make sure that you stay free. The translation we use is you've got to stand firm. You've got to make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. One translation back into a yoke of bondage. We can experience freedom and we can find ourselves once again bound. So each week we've really asked a question. Week one, we asked the question, how can I be more Christ-like? And the answer was by living in the tree of life, by living the true gospel. Paul says, I marvel that you have wandered so quickly away to another gospel. But then he says that other gospel is no gospel at all. But so many times we can live in the tree of knowledge instead of the tree of life. And it's what we do and who we are and what we can accomplish instead of realizing the life and victory that God has for us. Week two, we asked the question, how can I stop going back? 
Because just like Tarzan, we like to swing between the trees. We go from victory, we go back to bondage. We go back to victory and we go, so how can I stop going back? The answer was by living a crucified life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I don't live any longer, but it's Christ who lives in me. Listen, a dead man don't lose his anger, temper. He doesn't get angry. A dead man doesn't gossip. And so we've got to die to the world. We've got to die to self and we've got to die to the flesh. And we've got to do that what? Daily. But not just daily, throughout the day too. Many times perhaps daily. Week three, we asked the question, what is the gospel? What is the true gospel? The gospel is God's grace. It's not the law because that's what man tried to do. But if we failed in one area, we were guilty of failing in every area. And so man was unable to keep the law. And in fact, the law was given to show man that he needed a savior and he couldn't do it. So we get the grace of God. What is the grace of God? Something I don't deserve. It's the unmerited favor. That's what it is. But what does it do? It also comes to give me the strength that I don't have to sin any longer. I don't have to be subject to those things. Week four, we asked the question, how can I be a son? Because too many times we live as a slave and we have a master where God wants us to be our heavenly father. So how do we do that? Through relationship with Jesus Christ. Seeing him, approaching him, giving him everything. Look at this statement. Salvation only works when you're all in. Salvation only truly works when you're all in. Some of you have given a little and you've experienced a little. But if you give your whole, you're going to experience the whole that Christ has for us. And that's maybe where the battle is. We give a little and we'll get a little. But God doesn't want just a little. He's jealous, the Bible says. He wants every part of you. Why? Because he knows the future and plans that he has for you. And according to Jeremiah 29, 11, they are good. But Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Last week, Pastor Pete preached an incredible message. How can I keep in step with the Spirit? How can I live? What was his answers? You've got to choose every day. I've got to make a choice. Then I've got to check my life constantly. And then I've got to be willing to change. Your desire to please God needs to be stronger than your desire to please yourself. So what is the key to that obedience to God? There's always an opportunity to do wrong and sin. Every day of your life, there's opportunities. But you've got to be obedient to God and you've got to ask yourself, is this promoting the kingdom of God? Is this promoting the gospel of God? Because the world wants you to promote yourself. Huh? But we've got to die to self. Week two, we talked about that. So we've got to talk about God. So today I want to show you something I believe is equally important. Because after your life is corrected and repositioned, it's now the opportunity that you have to serve a purpose. You've got to realize Jesus came to give you this freedom for a reason. He came to bring you a new life, a new beginning, a fresh start for you to live in that freedom. But it's not just for you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. In other words, freedom is bigger than you. So here's the question that we're going to answer today. Are you ready? What do I do with my freedom? 
What now do I do with this life that God has given to me? Galatians 4 or 6 verse 14. As for me, Paul said, that was his goal. He said for every one of us, he says, as for me, this is how I live. But his goal is that you would say today, as for me, I don't want to boast about anything else except the cross Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why my boast isn't what I've done. Because that's the code. That's the format. That's the law. It's not going to bring life. It's going to bring damnation. But my boast now is in Christ. And who he is. And what he's done in my life. Because of that cross. My interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me. Has also died. Paul is saying I don't want to live according to the world. But my focus, I want to be that I would be in relationship with God. And as a child of God, God has an awesome life for you to live. A year and a half ago, we made a change in our church. We changed the name of our church from Heartsease Family Life Church that we were originally to Encounter Church. We, we presented the reason why back then, and we need to keep talking about it and reminding you. But the reason why we made that name change was we really felt God had brought us into a new season as a church. We felt God had brought us into a new place, and we felt that we needed a name to represent that heart's ease. We were broken. We were needing help and strength, and God produced that. But now we believe in a new chapter and a series as a church. We needed a new name, and Encounter was the name that God gave us. For what reason? We want our church name to be what we are. We want people to come and encounter the presence of God. We know it's just a name, but we want it to be more than a name. We want it to be an experience, an encounter that people would realize there is more. I want people to come in and say, hold on a second, there's more for my life. There's a plan, there's a purpose. I mean, God can use me. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And you've got to begin to accept that in your life. Because here's, you want to take a test. Here's a test if you're truly living in freedom or not. Here's the test that you can look at. You shift from, I have to, to I get to. Or I have to, but now I want to. I don't have to. It's not forced anymore. Man, you mean I get to live for Jesus? That's, that's awesome. So, so I don't have to read my Bible. You mean I, I, I get to spend some time with Jesus and I get to be in the world and I get to know him more? I don't have to pray, but you mean now I can be in conversation? I don't have to go to church, but you mean I get to go to church? I can serve and I can touch other people, man? That's what happens. So with this freedom, we see in Galatians 6 and actually beginning in Galatians 5 that Paul makes a shift and he has a different idea that everyone wants us to see. It's an idea that he wants to leave us with. And we see it in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 5. He says these words, For you have been called to live in freedom, my dear brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom... To satisfy your sinful nature. Well, I'm saved so I can just live how I want. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying now as a child of God, you need to act different. You need to walk different. You need to talk different. There needs to be a difference. He says instead, use your freedom too. Here's the idea. Here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? 
Use your freedom to serve one another. And don't just serve them. Love to serve them. Serve in love. For the whole law, he says in verse 14, can be summed up with this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's not bringing them back to the law because that was one of the Ten Commandments. But he is showing them the purpose of the law was finding Christ and now through Christ the struggle that we have. Come on, let's just be honest. Can we be honest? We're in church. That's a good place to be honest, don't you think? It's a struggle sometimes to love our neighbor. (laughs) It's a struggle sometimes to love our kids, never mind our neighbor. Struggle sometimes to love ourselves. And so again, he's talking to the struggle that they had. He said, man, you've got to love your neighbors yourself. And they're like, man, I know them. They've got bad breath and they smell. I don't like that. But you see, we've got to be, see the bigger picture. We've got to see the bigger picture. Because the law creates a problem. But Christ Jesus in relationship brings the solution. So now he's telling them something that he gives solution to. Jump to Galatians 6 verse 2 and he says this, carry each other's burdens. I love that. You got to carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the what? The law of Christ. It's a different law. It's not the old law. It's not a bondage. It's a freedom that we now have in Christ. We see this in John 13, 34. One day Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, A new commandment now I give to you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. A new law, a new commandment, a new way to live is that you would love others. How? Through the love that I have For you, how do I love other people better? By falling in love with Jesus. Because when I experience his love, I can be his love. Let me read it from the Message Bible too. I think it's beautiful how it presents it. It says, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When they see the love that you have for each other. So here it is. Are you ready? Old Testament. Genesis through Malachi. It was a dread. It was a law. It was forced. It was something that they didn't want to do, but they were made to do. In the New Testament. Come on, it's a new opportunity. Because of His love, we now have the motivation to begin to love other people. And what an opportunity that we have today. That's why our vision statement says life starts through knowing God. Everything changes. The opportunity comes as we first experience his love. We fall in love with God. We find his grace, his freedom, relationship, and then we begin to walk in it. Then we can be his love. Come on, that's when love happens. That we love other people around us. They couldn't properly do that. We cannot properly do that without the love of Christ inside of us. Because we'll see all the faults and the failures and the mistakes. But when we're in Christ, we begin to see them just as we were. 
come on, we were lost, we were destitute, we were away from God, but someone reached out to us and there's a compassion that we have in other people. Come on, we cannot do that from the wrong place, obligation or duty. It's not going to be sustainable, it's going to be selective in our life. But when it comes from the heart, whosoever will be able to love everyone. Look at this statement, as you live in freedom then the overflow of your life will touch other people. When you live in the freedom of God, in the love of God, and you accept the love of God, it's the overflow. That's why Malachi, God says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not be able to contain it. There's an overflow. Why? We say this all the time here. God's not a God of waste. But God gives you more than what you need so you can flow out onto other people. That you can be that love and bring that love. But so many of us get so self-centered. And that's where our vision statement says your purpose is revealed. You've got to realize you were sent to this earth for a purpose. And you need to use that purpose to make a difference. Let me show you what I mean. Are you ready? Ever been to a good restaurant? Anyone ever been to a good restaurant? Anyone ever had a really good meal? I'll tell you what. Anyone like crab cakes here? Crab cakes here, man. I'll tell you this much. And Bonefish Grill probably has some of the best crab cakes that you will ever taste right there. They're Kelly and I's favorites. So what happens when you have a good meal? You tell other people. At your work or all over social media, man, me and my wife, me and my family went out and had a great meal. Man, you need to try that restaurant out, okay? Ever been on a great vacation somewhere or gone to a great park or experienced something great? What happens, man? You tell everyone, man, if you and your family want to go somewhere really cool... Well, we found this place. It was inexpensive. It was friendly. It's not far away. Wow, you need to go. Any of you ever seen one of those viral videos? You know what I'm talking about? One of those crazy videos where people like flip over or they're like singing and the table collapses and they fall and it just makes you laugh so bad. Don't look at me crazy. You know you do. What do you, what do, you do when you see something like that? Or you get one of those memes. Is that what they call them? One of those memes or something. What do you do? You, you share it. You post it. Wow, this made me laugh. Man, I hope this makes you laugh. That's great. What happens when you get great customer service? Don't you love that? Wow, if you go there or you go here, they're going to treat you right. You tell other people. You tell your friends. You tell other people. So what's the result? The result is this. It drives them to become a part because of your experience. Because of your experience, now they are motivated and say, man, I want to go there. I want to eat some crab cakes. I want to watch that video. How come you didn't send that to me? I want to see that. I want to laugh. You see, what you are passionate about makes a massive difference. So when's the last time you told someone how awesome your church is? Talk about LSU. You talk about your restaurant. You talk about everything else. But when's the last time you posted about your church? When's the last time you really began to share those things? Again, Easter's coming up. What an opportunity. But, but are people just coming to church on Easter because you invite them? Or are they coming because there's something about you that's drawing them in? 
thank God people will come because you invite them. But I want people to be drawn and say, man, I know who you used to be. You ain't the same person anymore. What's happened to you? And oh, yes, it's all God. But let me take you to the place where I found God and I encountered God. And oh, it happens to be Encounter Church. And you can encounter God too. What's the saying out there? You can lead a horse to water. I, dis, I don't believe that. I really don't believe that. Star knows because I say this all the time. I believe you can create a thirst in that horse. You can feed it, feed it salt tablets. You maybe can't force someone to drink, but you can create a thirst in them. And the last time I checked, God called you to be the salt of the world. So I think we've lost our saltiness. Now the label of the world is if you're salty, you're kind of not nice. You're not kind of good. But God wants you to be good salty. Come on. God wants you to create a thirst in other people. You see, the growth of this church, growth of church, the kingdom of God is increased by this. When God changes your life, you tell other people. That's the greatest method of church growth. That's called personal evangelism. That through what God has done in your life, you'll tell others. Galatians 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Notice this, opportunity. We all have opportunities every day. But what we do with them is really the question. It's not whether I have opportunities It's am I seizing the opportunities? Am I using? You may be the only Bible someone reads. Are they reading the gospel of Christ? Or are they reading the gospel of you? Hurt, pain, misery, gloom, doom, despair. And you see, that's why it's so important. I'm just going to say this today. It's just on my heart right now to say this today. That's why it's so important. People in church are not perfect. Pastors are not perfect. Church is not perfect. If you want a perfect church, then you better stay away because the moment you step through, it becomes imperfect. I mean, amen, you know what I'm talking about? Me the same. The moment I step through the doors of this church, it stops being perfect because Philip's here, Pastor Philip's here. But here's what you've got to be very careful. Are you ready? You have the opportunity, if you don't watch, to take your hurts, your pains, your disagreements and your frustrations and put them on other people where they don't belong. Someone looked at me wrong in church. Thank God, at least you're in church. But what happens to someone else who's out of church, they're not going to want to come to church to be looked wrong by someone who's in church. But the world expects us to be perfect in here. God's working on us, but we're not perfect. So you've got to be really careful the way that you are promoting what you promote. Because when you talk about other churches, you talk about other pastors, you talk about other leaders, you are hurting the body of Christ. Sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut because there's a lot of things I could say and there's a lot of things I could post. Thank God for not always press and send. I've written a few emails. I've had a few posts ready to go that I thank God I didn't hit send. Anyone with me on that? And so we've got to be very careful. Yes, they may be hurt you. Maybe they didn't look at you right. But that gives you no right to lambast that all over social media. And what happens as a result, people say, oh, that's those Christians. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm living a life that people will say, oh, you're a Christian. I want that. And that's how we've got to live each and every day. So I want to give you three practical ways today. Is that called cool? Just simple message today. How you can share the love of God with other people. Number one, you've got to identify your sphere of influence. 
What's the influence that you have? Those who are in reach around you, the reachable that you can touch, where you have been placed. Because here's the problem that we have. Are you ready? How often do we want to be somewhere else without seeing the purpose of our placement? Come on. How often do we want to be somewhere else without seeing the purpose of our placement? Oh man, if only I had a different job. Pastor, can you pray for me for a different job? Well, what's wrong with your job? Well, there are a bunch of heathens there and I don't like them and they don't appreciate me and, and, and I just need better. We get so caught up in what we want, a different place where maybe that's where God has placed you, man. Uh, if only I could be in a different town. If only I could be in a different state. Yeah, the problem is the problem's going with you because you're the problem many times. But we want to Disseparate ourselves. If I could be somewhere else. Man, if only I had a different family. Can I make it real today? If only I had a different spouse. I'm preaching for you, not me. I love my spouse. I'm, I'm happy. We're good. We're good. This is good. I'm not trying to use this as a. No. If only I had a different. If, then, then my life would be. Your life would be what? You see, well, if only I had different opportunities. But what about the opportunity you have? What about the job? Thank you, Jesus. What about the fact that you have a house and a home? Thank you, Jesus. What about the fact that you have a spouse and a family and friends and the opportunities? Instead of always wanting to try and be somewhere different, start realizing maybe this is my influence and the place where God has placed me. Last week I read this. Look at this. It's not the obstacles. It's your attitude. Obstacles aren't what derails your life. We're all going to run into some. But obstacles are resolved by your attitude and your action towards them. Second Corinthians 10.13 says this. But we will not boast beyond our limits. But we will boast only with regards to the area of influence that God has assigned to us to reach even you. God has given you an area of influence. God has placed people strategically around you for you to impact their lives. In other words, you have been placed in a God-ordained area. You maybe don't like it. You maybe think that you should be somewhere else. But the way to getting where you think you need to be, man, you, you got to pass the test perhaps of where you need to be. But it's not that you need to be in a different place. You just need to be a different person in that place. Man, I could really preach this to you today. So can I break down your sphere of influence right now? There's three things. You got to start from the inside and work out. It's my people place and passion. So you've got to start from what's closest to you. Many times we want to save the whole world, but we're forgetting our own family. So our first influence, our first ministry, our first reach has to be those who are the closest to us. That's our family. That's our friends. That's those who are close around us. Then it goes out to our place. Our places where we would work, where we would live, our college, our school, those that we kind of do life with. Then the next area, stepping out further from the center, is our passions. That speaks about our hobbies, our sports, our activities, what we involve ourselves with. So we start inside, we work out, but we need to make sure that we are influencing people in a positive way because we all have people in our sphere. 
God-ordained influence that he's placed us in. But are we using our position to influence them to Christ? Are we moving them along the scale? Remember we talked about that? Zero is the worst heathen that you could ever be. Ten is the best Christian that you could ever be. Five is where salvation happens. So someone over here doesn't know anything about Jesus. They're at a zero on the scale. Your responsibility may be to move them to a one. You're not going to see everyone you come in contact with maybe get saved. And I pray that they will. But what happens if you don't move them to one? They're still in zero. So the person who can take them to two is still waiting because they're not at one. So your responsibility is to be moving people down the scale. Thank God when they get saved, but salvation is not the end. God has got more for us as children of God. Come on, a victorious life. The Holy Spirit to live inside of us. There's experiences and encounters that we have after salvation. But are we moving people along the scale? I want everyone who comes in contact with me to say like something like this. Wow, what is it about him? There's something. I want to know more about that God. I want to know more. What is it? I want to be moving people down the scale of life. And it's more than just a scale of life. It's a scale of eternal life. Because you're either saved or you're not. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Acts 17, 26. From one man, he made all nations. It's a great scripture right there. If you want to know what race you are, we're one race. Yeah, exactly. He says this, from one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. He marked out your appointed time in history and the boundary of your life. The time and place that you are living God placed you right there. You are in a place of God. Now we can be in a place of not God. And we can get out of God. But that doesn't mean even there that God still cannot use us. Look at this thought. Stop only seeing the problems. But start seeing yourself as the solution. Well, my husband, if he would see yourself as the solution. Well, my work, see yourself as the solution. What can you do? If everyone in your office is miserable, why not take them a coffee tomorrow? Well, why not take them some donuts? Why not smile yourself? Smiling's contagious. Did you know that? So stop seeing the problems. Oh, if only, if only. Stop being the solution. Bring that freedom that God has. There was a pastor that told a story that God, he felt, had sent him to the city. And and everywhere he went, every door was closing and people were miserable. And it was such a dark place. And he prayed one day and his prayer went like this. God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why there is so much mess around here. God, I don't know, but I know this. God, you need to do something about it. So God, what are you going to do about it? And he stopped to listen and God said, I already did. I sent you. You are sent by God to touch those. You're on a mission from God. Come on, you are on a mission from God. What do we say around here? The darker the night, the brighter the light. We're not going to curse the darkness. We're going to light a candle. Come on, let's do that. We're not going to curse the darkness. We're going to light a candle. Come on, do that with me right now. We're not going to curse the darkness. We're going to light a candle. We're going to light it up. Come on. We're going to light it up. 
number two, number two. I, I, I'm preaching. Like, let me go back to the teaching mode again. You've got to meet them in their place of need. Because of the freedom God has in you, now you've got to meet people in their place of need. In other words, you've got to shoulder the load with them. Go shoulder to shoulder with them. Share the burden. What I'm saying is this. You may get dirty and it may inconvenience you. You didn't like it over here. Let me try it over here. You may have to get dirty and it may inconvenience you. You were maybe on the way to watch the latest movie, but, but now you may be sitting in a coffee shop with someone who's broken and destitute. You've got to be willing to see the needs. Because here's what I want our church to look like. If you want to know what our church is, snapshot, here it is. I want us to find a need and fill it. And I want us to find a hurt and heal it. That, that's the mission that you've got to do. Find a need and fill it. And the last time I checked, you don't have to look far. And you don't even have to look for them. They'll find you. There's so much hurts and so many problems over there. But in order to do that, you've got to get close. You've you, you got to go closer. You can't go by the other side of the road like the Good Samaritan and look and say, man, I'll be praying for you, brother, and go. And You've you got to get off your donkey. Man, there's another word for that. And I'm not going to say that in church, but you've got to get off it. And you've got to do something. And you've got to get down. And you've got to start ministering to them. You've got to start healing them. And you've got to say like Peter and John, such as I have, I'm willing to give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up, get up, get up. But you don't say that from the other side of the road. You say that as your hands are under them, embracing them and lifting them up. And you've got blood all over you. You've got snot all over you. They don't smell good, but it's okay. It's okay. It's like an onion. Have you ever opened an onion? You peel back the layers. To get to the center. And that's what we've got to be prepared to do. Because many of the needs around us. There's obvious needs. You can see obvious needs. But I'm telling you most of the greatest needs around us aren't obvious. People are wearing a mask. They're hiding behind their profile picture. They're hiding behind these things. So you've got to peel back. I believe as a child of God, you've got to ETR. You know what ETR means? Earn the right. I believe to share the gospel, you need to earn the right. If you go to someone and you just walk up to someone on the street and you say, man, you're going to hell. They're probably going to turn around and say, you go there. But if you take time to get into their world. Man, man, you like LSU too? Me too. Who's your favorite player? Oh, you go to any of the games? No. Okay, that's cool. So, so you live near the stadium or what? No. Oh, wow. So how long have you lived in this area? Well, you've got kids, wife, family. Oh, that's cool. Where do you work? What are you doing? You are earning the right. You are saying something to them. And you know what you're saying to them? I care. I care. Look at this statement. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can have all the biblical knowledge that you want. You can quote every scripture and chapter you want. But I don't want someone who's a walking, I don't want someone who's a talking Bible. I want someone who's a walking Bible. 
I want someone who's living it out and living out what God has. You know what? Here's some practical tools. Are you ready? People just need a friend. You know how much can be brought out of people when you believe in them? So many people have never been believed in. Wow, there's something in you. Wow, you're special. You're incredible. People need a role model to follow. So that means you need to be a model to them. They need someone who believes in them. Here's another tool. You ready? Pray for people. Pray for people. What an incredible tool. In all my years, I'll be 47 this year. I've only ever had one person that has ever said to me, I don't want you to pray for me. Ended up praying for them anyway. They weren't mad at it because I explained they didn't understand. But I'm telling you, very few people will ever say no to prayer. And listen, don't say this. Hey, man, it's good to see you. I'm going to be praying for you. Don't do that. Hey, it's good to see you. Do you mind if I pray for you? Can we do it right now? Jesus, touch him right now. Touch him right now. Kara's laughing because that's one of the things I would teach him in the office and stuff. You know, we have some crazy people call on the phone sometimes. Not you, but other crazy people. (laughs) And we'll always say to him, listen, can we pray for you? Can we pray for you? Because I always like to leave people. We'll pray for you. Let's pray together. People will very seldom ever refuse a prayer. But most of the time when you pray for people, when you open your eyes, there may be tears. There may be something. They may not be saved, but you've taken them from one and now there are two. They're they're moving down the scale. Matthew 25, 34 through 40 says this. You ready? Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, and you will inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. Think of that. You take your clothes off, and you put them on me, your coat. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger? When did we take you in? When were you naked? When did we clothe you? When did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison and come to you? And God will say, assuredly, I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did to the least of these. Come on, you were doing it to the greatest. You were doing it to me, to me, to me. Notice what we see in that passage of Scripture. Come on, you didn't just meet me at my place of need. You did something about my need. Come on, we don't just meet people at their need. We find a need and we feel it. We find a hurt and we heal it. Look at this statement. Not one act of kindness goes unnoticed by God. And it's a seed that he can use. It's a seed that God can use. So now you've taken them from two to a three. Two or three. Point number three. Got to finish. I'm, I'm in the red. That means I'm over my time. Number three, point them to Jesus and to his church. So important, not just to Jesus, but to his church. 
Because I believe this. It's so important. Thank God for salvation is only through Christ. But you need church to keep you saved. Church doesn't save you, but it helps to keep you saved. A lot of bad rap with church today, but I love church. I've given my life to church. I serve the church and I thank God. It's the only place in this world that God said he'll build that nothing can prevail against. So, so you can build your family in Tiger Stadium all you want, but that's not in God's word as a promise. You can build your family at the beach. You can build your family in the nicest house, but God's house, his church, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. Again, I've got to be careful when I start talking about church. We could be here for a week. Galatians 6.10. Therefore, we have an opportunity. We read this earlier. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. In other words, the thought is this, not just to do good to those who are already saved, but the thought is this, we need to do good so they would be saved. We need to do good so we are plundering hell and populating the kingdom of God. We need to do good to other people so they'll come to church and they'll love Jesus. Don't just create followers of you. A lot of us are creating followers of ourselves. So when there's a problem, they're dependent upon us. What you've got to realize is this. Are you ready? You're the sign, not the destination. You're pointing the way. You are showing the way. You are maybe aiding them on the way, but you're not the way. He's the destination. and he's a, You see, because here's the deal. We can shoulder the burden. We can help carry a burden. But he's the only one that can remove that burden. He's the only one that can set them free. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For what my yoke is easy. The yoke of the law was hard. But the gospel, Paul says, it's an easy because the burden is light. Listen to it from the Message Bible. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Wow, that's, that's, that's our world right now. That's our lives. But what's the answer? Come to Christ. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I will do it. Learn, I love this, the unforced rhythms of grace. Wow, that is incredible. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We're pointing people to Christ because he is the only one that can lay claim to that. I can't bring people to freedom, but I can take them from a three now to a four. And then church. Here's what we believe. Are you ready? Everyone needs a place to call home. Everyone needs a place to belong so they can believe. You're welcome here whether you believe in God or not. You can belong here, but I'm telling you right now, our purpose for you to belong is that you're going to believe. Everyone's welcome here in their search for God. But our goal is not just for you to belong, but our goal is for you to believe. Psalms 92, 12 through 14, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. 
They will flourish in the courts of our God, even in old age. Some of you need to say amen right there. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. I had to ask you to say amen because I wasn't saying amen yet. Even in old age, they shall still produce fruit. They will remain vital and great. Man, I could preach a whole message there. Notice what it says about older people in the church. You are vital to the church. You are vital to those around. You need to be a father and a mother and a grandparent, a role model. Your day is not over. We're not putting you out to the field just to die. Come on, you still have a purpose. You still have a place. You are vital to God. King James says those who are planted in the house transplanted, taken from the world and planted into God are going to flourish and go. I need church too. I just want to tell you that. I need, a, I need church as a place of encouragement. I need to be encouraged. A lot of days I come in here and I'm discouraged. You maybe wouldn't ever know, but I need your encouragement. I need family. I need your support. I need your help. I need you to be around me. I need small groups. Just telling you right now, you need a small group. If you're not in a small group, I'm telling you, you need to be a part of one because that's where life change really happens in the context of relationships because then you can't hide in your sin. You can't hide in who you are anymore, but you get around other people and you realize you too, none of us are perfect. And James says that when we come together and we confess our faults, we pray for each other and we take that to God. And then what happens? Healing and freedom comes in our lives. And so many times we complicate groups. We need you to lead a group. We've got a six-week semester coming up this summer, June and half of July. We need people to lead groups. Well, how can I lead a group? What do you enjoy doing? Make it a group. If you like bike riding, make it a group. You like going to the gym? Make it a group. Get other people around you. It's not as complicated. Well, I'm just not a spiritual leader. You know how you lead people? You've got to be one step ahead of them. You've got to be one step ahead to be a leader. Well, what if I mess up and fail? Hey, we've all done that and we're still doing that. But as long as we fall forward and we've got coaches and people to help you, you're not on your own. We've got people to help you. But I'm telling you, you need church so you can learn. Come on, band, you better come back or I'll never quit. So what's the practical ways that we're going to live out this freedom? Why did God save me for a purpose? And here it is. Are you ready? For me to know my influence. For me to meet them and for me to point them to Jesus Christ. Because now I'm taking them from a four to a five. And now they know Jesus. But let me close with this warning if I could. But also a promise. Which leaves us with a choice today. Galatians 6, 7 and 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows that he will also reap. That's called the law of return. The law of return says this, you're going to reap what you sow. Verse 8 tells us how we sow. And here's the warning. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And I'm going to add this word here, every time. You're going to reap it every time. No exceptions. You can't avoid that. But pastor, no, you can't because God says if you're going to reap with the wrong seed, you're going to have the wrong harvest. I'm sorry. 
You may think everything's going good because sometimes a weed can look like a flower until it blossoms. Let me say that again. Sometimes a weed can look like a flower until it begins to blossom. A shoot can come up and you can think, wow, that's God. And then all of a sudden you realize it's a weed. But here's the promise. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And verse 9 I love. Let us not grow weary while doing good, sowing good, reaping good. Come on, are you doing good to those around? Are you doing good in your life? Because I'm telling you, in due season, we shall. Say with me, shall, 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 shall. We shall reap if we don't give up. If we don't lose heart, we're going to make it. We're going to see other people come to freedom too. Why? If we trust God. So what's, what have I got to do? Here it is. I've got to choose freedom every day. I've got to choose freedom every day. Let me close with one last scripture. This is Paul's close. Galatians 6.18, last verse. He says this, May what our master Jesus Christ gives freely, be deeply and personally yours, my friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. What he has given deeply, freely, may it personally be yours. Why? because you're a friend of God. Would you stand all over this place? Here's what I want to do today. To close this message, I just want everyone to come to the front. Can you just come, everyone? Just Come on, just everyone. I know you're going to have not much room, but I just want everyone to push. If you're at the front, you're going to have to come right down so everyone can come in around you. Come on, we're all coming to the altar today. Because the reason why I'm asking everyone to come to the altar today is this. I want every one of us to yield our lives for God to use. I want every one of us to say, come on, push in right here. Come on, push everyone in so everyone can get down. If you can, just keep coming around. Keep coming around so we can get down. Can you keep going that way, Josh? Can you move people down that way? There you go. Come on, create space for people. Come on, create space. Create space. There's more room right behind here. Come on, let's get as close as we can. as close as we can. Your influence is all around you. The opportunities. But will you reach? Will you touch? Will you be? But remember this, in order to be the example that we need to be, we've first got to live the life that God wants us to live. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't have to be perfect because if that's the case, none of us would. Thank God for His grace. But grace is not a license to sin, remember. When God gave me the grace, He didn't let me off the hook. He sent His Son to die. So I can't continue in that sin. I've got to realize I've got to give my life and surrender. And so that's what we're going to do today, first and foremost. If it's your first time, we just encourage you to do this. But every one of us right now, would you just bow your heads just right now? In your own way, would you just surrender your life to God? Would you just say maybe a simple prayer like this? God, I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. God, I I know I've given my life to you before, but God, I make a fresh commitment today. Just in your own words, can we just make that right now? God, I give that to you. I give my life to you. I give everything to you. 
God, I want to be a vessel that you can use. Take the sin of my life. Take the things that are displeasing to you. Remove those things, God, from me. Because, God, I'm a child of you, God. I'm a child of God. God, I want to be yours. I want to be yours. I want to be yours. Okay, so here's what we've done. Keep your heads down. You can keep praying. Okay, so here's what we've done. We've surrendered our life to God. Now here's what we're going to do. Are you ready? We're going to yield our lives to God for service. We're going to say, okay, God, now I'm yours. I want you to use me. God, now I'm yours. I want you to take my life. Now I'm yours. I want you to begin to fill me. Now I'm yours. God, I want to realize, God, that you are great, that you can use me. Come on, would you just lift those hands to heaven right now? Come on, would you begin to surrender your life and say, God, here I am. Here I am, God, here I am. Use me, God.